Hi, my name is Chris Little, and I am the host of The Lifestyle Chase. In 2018, I started this show to have meaningful conversations. I've interviewed over a hundred different people, both in and out of the fitness industry. This podcast is something I'm incredibly proud of. Welcome to season four. Thanks for joining me. All right, so welcome to the next segment of this episode with Andrew Hallam. Um, I'm going to start this off by talking about the value of being frugal and how we balance that um, with uh, capitalizing on life's experiences, like having an abundant life. So I know this is something that you have a lot of experience with, and I'm just uh, curious as to what your advice is with regards to that. You know, it's funny because many people will think, well, if I'm being frugal and I'm thinking about investing for the future, then I, I have to defer gratification. I have to defer something that I might enjoy today for some point in the future. And, and that's an outdated, non-behaviorally scientific view of this whole premise. And I'll, and I'll explain it. One of the things that we often do is we purchase things thinking that they will enhance our life satisfaction. And, and anything we do relates to life satisfaction. I mean, if someone tells me they're doing something or they have a certain career or they're going for a certain degree or they're, they're, they're trying to climb a corporate ladder or they're trying to run a marathon, they're trying to do 30 pull-ups or whatever it is, whatever their goal is. When I ask people, why do you want to do it? You know, I hear a variety of, of reasons. But if I continue to dig, I ask them, well, why? And I keep going, why, why, why? Eventually, they'll say, well, it comes down to just feeling good about myself, feeling happy, life satisfaction or security. And that's about it, right? Well, why do you want to be healthy? Well, yeah, well, I want life satisfaction. I mean, everything comes down to life satisfaction. Well, why'd you buy that car? Well, because it's awesome. It feels great. And I, I like to drive it. Okay, so there's a life satisfaction thing. But when we look at behavioral research, behavioral research suggests that things, so say a new car or a new iPhone or a new purse, these things don't actually enhance your life satisfaction. So it's based on something called hedonic adaptability. So we get used to stuff. We get used to the things that we own. So it's really ironic that we might pine for a new car, borrow money, or lease, lease a car, that car depreciates over the years, and we're paying interest on it. And research suggests that the driving experience for someone in a brand new, let's say, BMW on aggregate is not any higher than the driving experience of somebody in a 10-year-old Honda Civic. And the reason is that when you buy that new car, you extend yourself that way. You're excited at first, but it's much like a sugar fix. You know, like there's a spike initially because you're excited about it. You're test driving it. really, really feels cool. But a couple of weeks later while you're driving it, you're just transporting yourself from A to B. You're not necessarily thinking about how awesome the car is. You're thinking about whether you're late for work. 
you're thinking about, you see a, somebody running down the street and you sort of think about them or you just got cut off or you're thinking about, you know, picking up your kid at their soccer practice later that afternoon. Our focus isn't on the thing. And years from now, when you think about this, Chris, if you're hanging out with your friends around a campfire and you're reminiscing about just fun stuff, you guys aren't going to talk about the things you bought back in 2025. You're going to talk about the fun stuff you did, like the, the, the experience that you built. And experiences, you know, experiences are worth spending their money on, your money on. So back to the frugality question you asked me in the beginning. To live the best life, by all means, spend money on experiences that will enhance your life, build memories, connect you with other people, things that you will reminisce about later, build connections with people with those experiences as well, but spend far less than the average person does on material acquisitions because the research suggests that it doesn't enhance our life satisfaction at all. Yet we pine for that stuff. You know, we want to live in a, a bigger house when we get more money. You know, we want a better car when we get more money. But the research behind it suggests that, no, it's not the case. It does not augment life satisfaction because of hedonic adaptability. Well, I mean, I love that you say that because um, in my past experiences, some of the things that have transformed my career the most have been travel. There was a time when I... Uh, almost went beyond my means to go on a camping trip to Hawaii, got to hang out with some friends. We rented a Jeep um, and we literally like camped on beaches and it gave me so much more self-awareness than like a physical purchase that I could get. Like if I had upgraded my car at that time or if I had bought a bigger place, like it wouldn't have given me nearly the same personal development and self-awareness and like lifelong memories. So I completely agree with you there. Um, however, I wonder, was there ever a time that you thought maybe you should just buy more things instead of doing experiences? Was there ever a time before you felt the way that you do today? That's a good question. I think when I was, when I was really young, so, you know, in my teens and early twenties, if I had the opportunity to do that and to purchase a fancy car, I might have done it. However, I think meeting that, that mechanic when I did was pivotal. So I really was 19. So at the time, he did talk to me about, not necessarily about the science behind money spent on experiences versus money spent on stuff, but he showed me something called opportunity cost. So he would give me, for example, he would get me thinking about what something could be worth if I didn't buy, let's say, a new car, but took the money that I would spend on a car and actually invested it. So those monthly payments, what if those monthly payments, what if I bought a cheap car and those monthly payments went towards an investment portfolio? And what would that be worth by the time I'm in my mid-50s? So he really got me onto thinking about this opportunity cost concept and things are never worth at face value what they think they're worth. So just once, just choosing to buy a new car once, if I did that, would probably have had a long-term opportunity cost of maybe somewhere in the region of 250 or $300,000. And some of your listeners are like, well, what are you talking about? 
It's a $20,000 car. I get, no, actually, compound money over time. It is powerful. It's what Albert Einstein calls the, uh, the eighth wonder of the world and more powerful, or he called the eighth wonder of the world and more powerful than the splitting of the atom. Because money does, if given decades to grow, compounds exponentially. So when, when Russ the mechanic talked to me about that, I didn't know the science behind material things versus science behind spending money on experiences. But I did want to be kind of, I did, it did tickle my lazy bone. Like I was more interested in doing stuff and having fun with people and keeping fit uh, than I was working my ass off at a job that I may not enjoy later in life. So I wanted that kind of freedom. So I think that was probably my main motivation. That's awesome. I mean, like everything that we've spoken about in this uh, segment of the show, it's uh, actually conversations that I've had with one of my clients, um, which is cool because it's like when I'm helping people with fitness, they're essentially helping me with the things that they're good at. And it's the the value of connection, the value of uh, being good at networking. Like I've definitely gotten a lot out of our conversation so far. So hopefully people continue to tune into the other segments, which uh, is basically our cue to draw this episode to a close. If people are wanting to find more about you and they're still listening, um, I encourage them to check out andrewhallam.com. Are there any other spots where people can find out more about you? Uh, I think that's probably a pretty good go-to place, Chris. Thanks. Perfect. Yeah. 